Uh, you guys can remain seated because I don't think I'm going to... Actually, I did get you guys to move in, but I don't think I can get you to stand. So let's pray this prayer right now, and then I'm going to read the text, and then we'll just get... We'll dive right into it. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Blessed are the readers, hearers, and keepers of this word. Revelation chapter 18, verses 1 through 3. After... After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out with a loud or with a mighty voice, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all the nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of earth have committed immorality with her. And the merchants of earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. So here in the midst of this story, we see a worship song that's not like any worship song we've sung at church, right? This is not a Fallen, Fallen is Babylon the Great. We don't have that one. Maybe uh, me and Karina can work on it. Fallen, Fallen is Babylon the Great. Um, but here we have a song of praise. And if we remember from a couple of weeks ago, Babylon the Great is idols, is idolatry. How idols like to come in and think that they're great. They think, um, uh, and if we think about it, like this, we want idols to be destroyed. Think about how much idols have taken from us for a minute. If, if, if we don't even know all that could um, have been taken from it, and if God would open our eyes to see how much they prevent living in the fullness of God that God intends for us, then we'd rejoice right along with this song if they were being destroyed. As our eyes are able to see that the idols have fallen once and for all. Because Babylon is the great idols or the mother of idols, as we learned a couple weeks ago. And it is, and an idol is anything that has taken the place or attempted to take the place of God in anyone's life. Typically, these are usually good things they're not just like statues or stuff like that. They're good things that are meant to bring us joy and to be helpful in our lives for living. However, they, they become what they were never intended to be, and that is to be the first thing in our lives. And when they become first things, that's not their intended place. It destroys the joy in that thing, and it also destroys us as well. So good things, once they become like elevated to this position uh, that only God can have, they, they destroy us and they do it quite easily as well. And I would love for us to be under, understand if we're going to sing this song, Fallen, Fallen is Babylon the Great. I'd love us to understand the destructive nature of idols in our lives. And I think that if we fully understood it or maybe more understood it a little bit better then number one, we'd be able to avoid idols like in our own personal lives and our own personal walks. And then two, we'd be more hope filled for a, a, a future without them. Like what could that look like? And if our minds and our imagination can be opened up to see what a, a life without idols would look like, that would be amazing. 
And in Revelation 12 through 19, we are seeing the enemies of God trying to flex on God, trying to come against him and oppose him, not willing to repent or, or do anything of that. And they, and they always seem to like have the winning ways and the numbers surrounding them. And it, it seems that God's victory isn't possible. And yet we see that uh, what we're trying or what we should see is that in the end, God wins. And it's not a... It's not a just like we get to the end very quickly, but it's a process. And it's one of those things where God always has the victory. His victory is promised. But we also, in the midst of that, see the destructive nature of our enemies, right? Of Satan and sin and death and idols. They are a sneaky and deceptive group that come in to just destroy us. In fact, one of my favorite verses speaks in the Bible, speaks about enemies. It's John 10, 10, and it says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And then Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly or life to the full. And we can think about it this way. Idols are thieves. They have come to steal and to kill and destroy. They are not only our enemy, but they are a a pretty... They're, they're not our only enemy, but they're one of the bigger enemies that we have in lives because, and you can see the pervasive nation, nature here that they become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean detestable beast. Like everything is kind of in here. And these thieves or these idols are thieves. They are sneaky. This is the way I put it so the kids will maybe listen. They are sneaky, dirty, no good thieves. That's what idols are. Sneaky, no good, dirty thieves. And they, they'd love nothing more to the, than to leave us broken and empty. Than to just absolutely destroy us and, and prevent us from living this life that God would have us live like one in abundance and life to the full. And since I was thinking about this all week with idolatry, like how do we talk about idolatry again? Because we talk about it quite often, but it's a really big problem. It's a really big problem, and I don't think it's just a problem for uh, people who, who aren't Christian. I think it's a really big problem for Christians as well. Since, and since idols are thieves, what do they steal from us? How do they destroy us? Like, what, are, what is it that we are missing out on, and where do these idols come from, right? So and, um, idols steal many things. They steal things that we value and that God uh, wants to use for his glory and his purposes in our life. And sometimes they steal by giving us more than we need or they give us, they steal like the joy from us by just dumping on us in excess. And he, Jesus wants to give us this life to the full. And so anything that might give us a fuller life is at risk of being stolen. This is what's at risk from being stolen. And by the way, I don't think um, that we always know that a thing was stolen. Sometimes it's stolen without us being really aware that it was even stolen because it kind of like it never got to us. And, I, and so sometimes we may be missing out on stuff and never even realizing that we're missing out on it. And that's because they want to destroy us. But there's a few things that I think that idols steal. Like I, I'll say it, uh, I'll speak a little bit to our American culture today, but idols steal time. We value time in this culture, right? My dad used to always say time is money, but that's an axiom that's in our culture. But they, 
they do it in subtle ways. They, idols actually do steal time and because they want to distract us from what a good life actually could be. They want to take up our time so that we can't do anything that God might have us do. And I'm not just talking about reading the Bible and doing good works. I'm like opening ourselves up to whatever God may have us do at that time. But now is a good time uh, to, uh, it, it is a good to have rest, right? Like I'm not saying that the enemy, sometimes idols steal time by making us lazy, but that's not what I'm talking about. And, and it's good to have self-care. But if we, we live in a distracted day and time, and I'd argue anytime in me or anybody else says, we live in a distracted time. You can go back in history and see that there are other distracted times too. There's other things that have distracted us. And so, but we live in a distracted time and a quick check of something fun and relaxing turns into hours, right? Hours online. Remember when Pinterest first came out? That was like goodbye afternoon. Like it was just like go through it. But we can do this with social media. We can do this with, for me, it's like YouTube videos half the time. And it turns these relaxing things into hours stolen away from not only us, but stolen away from those that we love. Stolen away from conversations that might lead to deepening relationship and time that would actually like refresh and revigorate us are taken. And we get to set our guards against that and realize that our enemy's time is short. We can see the end of it here is time is short. So they'd like to steal as much of it, our time as possible. And I don't know exactly how you are supposed to spend your time. I don't know how you're supposed to structure your days. That's not my job to tell you, but we need to take that up with God and let the Holy Spirit return to us what the enemy and the idols try to take from us. Because if all our time is God, then, or, or if all our time is gone, then we don't have it as a gift. We don't have time as a gift to receive, that we can receive times of blessing. And we don't also have this as a gift that we can give to others because it's just gone. And the enemy would love to do that. Idols would love to steal that gift of time from us. And idols are also, they steal things of value and worth right? They take something lovely and good and something even great, and they distort its worth. They distort its value. They take something that will add to our life and they do it and in, in they, they take it so that they will take our life. Uh, we can think of like food in this way. There are so many ways that food can become an idol. We need food. Amen. We love food. We love the taste of it. We love the, uh, Mo likes the preparation of food and just the, the thinking about it and stuff like that. And, and we get to enjoy food. Amen. Like food is a, a wonderful, wonderful gift that uh, we need, but at the same time is also something that can turn into an idol. And when it becomes an idol, then we're always searching for the next best food. The food that we find will never satisfy us because we're always on this, this quest for the most enjoyment or maybe we even overindulge and food can start to destroy us that way. Food is a great gift that is meant to bring us life, but the enemy would love to make it an idol and steal it, uh, steal food's value and worth from us and make it something that we live for instead of something being used to help us live for Jesus. That's the point of, of what, and food is just one example of so many things that have been destroyed by idols in this way. 
And it makes me think that when we live for these idols, number one, they never satisfy us. And we go on quest that these quests will destroy us just because we believe the thing has great value and worth. And in the end, value and worth are stolen from us. Money is perhaps a better example than food, but I use money all the time. And it's just something when something good turns into a God thing and that will steal the value away from that thing and give us a life that is to be pitied instead of a life that God wants to give us. And that's a life of value and worth that is found in him. Also, idols try and steal meaning either that or they will replace meanings and warp the meanings to harm us. They, they don't always want us to have meaning in life. Like I, that's the great question, right? Like what's the meaning of life? And they want to replace our actual meaning in life for something that will ensnare us, something that'll entrap us, something that uh, will take us away from God, steal our time and our value and worth away from him as well. And yet God wants our moments, our hours, our rest, our love, all of our life to have meaning and idols steal this meaning. The age-old quest for what's the meaning of life, right? This has been asked from ages past and and is asked currently. Um, The meaning is often stolen from us and destroyed when we place that meaning in the wrong thing or things, in the wrong way that that we do things. And so there's this old catechism question that... I was used to uh, catechisms were like questions and answers. Like someone would ask you a question and then you would, the answer would be in part, uh, this was to get us to think about the Bible, think us to think about God, think about like our relationship and what that could look like with him. Um, And so there's one catechism question that it says, why was man created? That's not exactly how it asked it, but what is the chief purpose of man? And they were bold enough to answer this question in the catechisms. And, and, uh, they, uh, and I, honestly, like I agree with the answer that they come up with, but I don't agree necessarily how they've applied it over the ages and how the follow-up questions to that I don't necessarily agree with. But the, the answer that they give to what is man's purpose is mankind was created to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And enjoy him forever. The enemy of the enemy of ours, these idols, they want to give an answer other than this one, right? The meaning of life is whatever that idol may be for you. We are meant to bring God glory through our lives, and in doing so, enjoy His presence in our lives. Amen. Like that's what we get to do. Idols want to steal and twist this meaning, and I'll say this, like. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you how to bring God glory in your life. That's again, that's not my job. It's going to be, um, it's going to be one of those things where we get to figure out what that is as we walk in it step by step. As we walk with Jesus day to day, we're going to figure out like how we're going to bring him glory that day. And in those moments, and, and, you know, I've heard people say, well, reading your Bible, well, maybe. Like maybe, but maybe it's going for a walk and enjoying his creation. Maybe it's singing a song. Maybe it's just saying, Lord, I am so grateful for this morsel of food. And that's how we get to show glory to him. So um, there's a, 7 billion people on the world. So there's 7 billion different ways to glorify God in those. 
But idols also want to steal joy. And when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about steal joy. What do I mean by joy? Of course they want to steal joy, but they also just want to take away the gifts that God wants to give us. And so the fruit of the Holy Spirit, these gifts that God wants to give us are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'll say that again. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are all gifts from the Holy Spirit. Let me ask it this way. Has an idol ever stolen any of those from you? Maybe when, let's not even talk about like parenting at all, but just in life, like let's, we can talk about traffic, like gentleness is a gift from the Holy Spirit. And we've had that sometimes taken from us. And peace is one of those beautiful things. And joy is one of those beautiful things. And patience is one of those beautiful things. And they get stolen from us all the time because of our maybe our misplaced focus. And these um, enemies would love to, to steal this and to make it into a God like your quest for personal joy is the most important thing in the world. That's what they want to do. But we find our joy in, uh, in walking with Jesus step by step. And I'd argue that we'd have, we'd all had these things stolen from us. Sometimes it is known and other times unknowingly uh, stolen from us. But we all need love, joy, peace, patience that God wants to give us. Amen. We need these things. But I'm feeling that we don't know the full effects and blessings of these things until the enemy is defeated. And we no longer is stealing these gifts from us. And if we had a full dose of these gifts that God wants to give us, this would be the life in abundance that God wants us to have as we follow Jesus. And I I would say this, one way idols steal and destroy as we get um, to focus uh, is they get us to focus on the wrong things. I'm going to speak directly to Christians and church people myself uh, in, in very much included in this. And for Christians, we see it in many different ways. Christians love to take up causes for justice that they perceive that they perceive to be godly. And then they go about doing it and searching for this thing. Um, uh, oftentimes we'll take up one sin or another and we'll elevate it as the worst sin, and then we'll go out and combat that sin and fight that sin. And when this happens, those people who struggle with that sin are left in shame and they feel hurt and they're being destroyed by the very idol because someone took this thing, this sin, and they elevated it to a level where it shouldn't have been because, um, and they elevate it as it's like worse than any other thing that you can do is this particular sin. So. Take your sin of choice, the one that you like, right? Let's elevate that one. Or let's like the one that we, we can think of as just easy to pick on. Or, and then make that the worst thing. And now all of a sudden, if all I ever did was rail on that, uh, would it bring hope? Would it bring joy or would it steal and, and bring shame and condemnation? That's what idols want to do. Or we can do this with doctrinal stances as well. And in my opinion, much of the doctrinal stances are shrouded in mystery. Like, you can believe what you want. I I actually think it's fine to take doctrinal stances. But there's been so much damage when we take our pet doctrines and we elevate them to a level that they should not obtain or hold. 
They hurt people when this happens. And I'm going to use, I'm not going to use just one certain sin or one certain doctrinal stance that does this because there's a, a multitude of them. But I will say that in life that we live with Christ, that this is the truth. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody. No one sin is greater or more damaging than the other because all sin is bad. And I'll say this about like doctrinal positions as, as well. Like most of the ones that are held so dear, there are Bible verses for them. There's reasons, there's justification, biblical justification for why each person holds that group or that sin in, in uh, or holds that doctrinal position. But the truth is, is that we don't need to get caught up in defending our positions. We don't need to get caught up in that. We simply get to live them out and let that be a witness. I'm not saying we never use our mouth. Sometimes we do. It's fun to have discussions. But as soon as we start hurting with these people with these things, as soon as we elevate our doctrinal position to the only doctrinal position that can be held on this statement, that's when we get into trouble. And I firmly believe that uh, sin, sin can be uh, defeated it doesn't need to be defended and that false doctrinal positions can be um, uh, defeated and it doesn't need to be defended. And we do this by just living our lives. We live our lives. And when I say that, some people have said, I just like to live it out. I don't like to use words. Well, I like to use words in the rest of my life. So in living it out, we get to use words as well. We don't have to defend it as much as we just get to be about it. We just get to walk it out. We just get to walk these things out in our lives and not condemn those that disagree with us because we don't know their story and why they disagree with us. And it's okay. But in the end, idols want to do this one thing. They want to steal the glory that is only due to God. That we keep, in Revelation, we, we keep saying, all the glory and honor is yours. All the glory and honor is yours. And yet they want God's glory. They want to be first. And there's no way that they can't be that. Then they cannot have God's glory. They don't deserve it. And they couldn't handle it if they got it. And that's the truth of it. And as Christians, we believe that God is a good, good father. And those trying to make anything greater than our good, good father who is on the throne and his lamb that was slain need to be removed from our lives. Thieves have to be removed so they won't keep on stealing. People that destroy, either that or they need to repent, right? They need to either be removed or repent. But we've seen in this text that they won't turn away from their thieving ways. Their thieving ways. We've seen over and over that they just won't repent. They're unwilling to give up on their ways. But yet they can't be allowed to rob and pillage and to take what God wants to give. Because as we finish out the story, we see that like no more pain, no more sickness, no more tears, no more dying or death. And yet all they want to do is steal, kill and destroy. So that needs to come to an end before we can just go in to this other existence. And in taking from us, they are destroying so much, so much more than we can even see right now. And I believe this text, this this odd little worship song shows us how pervasive idols have become. They come at us from every angle to kill and to steal and destroy. They are in every level of government leadership in any government. 
uh, any government throughout the world, but leadership as well, leadership on a local level, like board members or council members or, or even in church boards and church councils and leaders. It, they come to us in, in every way. They come to, and they infiltrate it, and they're sneaky, and they want us, they come at us from every angle to kill and to steal and destroy and to get us tempted to live a life that is other than the life of truth that God would have for us. And we see that idolatry is a big deal. It is a big deal. And we get to resist the idols that tempt us in our life. The truth is that different idols work differently for each person. I bet if we took a survey, we could come up with a whole bunch of idols that we love and that honestly, there are times when we just make greater than God. And something that, when we're honest with it, it steals from us rather than giving us what they promise to give us. And this story that is unfolding in Revelation, that is paused by this, this odd little worship song, is a story where God is getting rid of the enemies so that we can have the life that he intended for us without all the stealing and killing and destruction. If we understand that, then this is why he sent Jesus and this is why Jesus will come back is because he wants to give us life and he wants to give us life in abundance and life to the full. And as we, as Christians, we get to seek first the kingdom of God, all his gifts will be given from us, which means that the enemy will stop stealing from us. And if we seek first the will of Jesus in our life, as we learn to walk with him, we will learn to renounce the idols that want to ensnare and destroy us. We'll learn to set those aside and set God in the position that he needs to be. And we'll have freedom from idols that could come once, that will come once and for all. But most of the time, we just want to walk out of that freedom that God wants to give us in the here and now. And I'll say this, it's a step-by-step process as we learn to follow Jesus. It's in laying down idol by idol. We just walk it out. He wants to have healing and wholeness for us. He wants us to experience his grace and forgiveness. And these are two things that the idol can't understand. They don't understand grace and forgiveness. And we can see that in this text, the idols are destroyed. Amen. The idols are destroyed once and for all. The darkness goes away and the earth is made bright with God's glory. The darkness goes and the light of Jesus has come. And when Jesus light, he and by the way, the Bible says that he is the light of life and he is the light unto our path, the light for our way, comes into our lives and shines uh, on things that are lurking in the shadows, that those things will be lit up and revealed and and those that are trying to steal will be replaced by God's goodness and his gifts and his glory. The idols that like to lurk in the shadows won't be able to stand against the light of Jesus, and that light will come, and when it comes, the idols will die because they can't live in that light. So we get to enjoy God's gifts, but we never elevate them to places where only God is supposed to be. Amen? This is hard to do. We need to stay diligent to be able to do this. Jesus is our first and foremost. He is our everything. He is not an idol. He is our everything because he alone is worthy of all glory and praise. So we can sing the song, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. And these words are trustworthy and true. Just as Jesus' resurrection from death is trustworthy and true. And we get to believe it. It doesn't, we get to be reminded here 
in Revelation, it doesn't always look like Jesus is going to win. It doesn't look like his fruit of the Spirit is always going to be alive in us. But you know what? He does. And I pray that we may be able to rest in the fact that Jesus wins. And let us set aside our idols in looking to him. And I've been praying this week a lot, actually, about uh, restoration. What was once stolen would be given back to us. What we've set aside or we've, we believed some of the lies that idols want to give us would be restored. And I believe this is what God wants to do. He wants to restore what has been stolen. Even stuff that we may not even know about. So I pray that we may live life into that. That only God can provide and that our satisfaction would come from Him. That our life, our healing, our worth would come for Jesus or come from Jesus. And so let us walk with him and trust with him and not trust the idols any longer. So Jesus, I pray that you will do this in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.